Welcome to the One Question XYZ podcast. It all starts with one question and then the conversation unravels. We bring in industry experts to discuss the XYZ of sales and marketing. My name is Carl Radke and I'm a sales guy. And my name is Dahlia Strom and I love marketing. Hey everybody, welcome back to One Question XYZ. This is Carl Radke. We're here at the WeWork facility. I'm here with my amazing co-host. Dahlia Strom. Hi Dahlia, how are Hi. you? Hi, good. <laughs> We've got a special guest. I, I believe they're, they're good friends. Pablo Henderson. He's the uh, W Hotels Director of Marketing, I believe. Correct. Global Director of Marketing. Global. Yes. Hell of a title. Global. No, we were just talking about some, some cool stuff that W has been doing on the side, but... We're going to have a great conversation today, so thanks for coming. Yeah, thank you for having me. And the reason that I make a point of saying global is because every time I ask him to do something, come in, he's like, sorry, I'm traveling. I'm global. <laughs> so where are you coming back from now? Anything recent? Just came back from uh, Washington, D.C., actually, where we completed the renovation of our hotel uh, that overlooks the White House. I love that hotel. Uh, it's a great hotel, uh, historical building. Well, awesome. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm just, I must say, I'm a big W Hotel supporter. I actually had a friend of mine that worked there for several years, and I, I had an employee promo code that got me some better rates. <laughs> oh, really? Uh, she's no longer there. She's at Instagram now. Now you've got me. So. Yeah. <laughs> is this what this is all about? Yeah, we just want the promo, we just want the promo codes. <laughs> um, but every time I speak to you, you're working on some really cool projects. So you came in uh, to my class, and you wowed them, um, and you were really able to kind of get them in tune into the value of storytelling and how it, how it translates to all of your properties. Most people aren't able to do that. Can you talk to us a little bit about like, what are some of your responsibilities? How and how do you translate that cross platform? Yeah, and I think platform is really the the key word. Uh, a number of different brands have amazing programs, uh, but what I've tried to do over the last few years is build platforms to launch those programs from. And if the platform itself, if the genesis of the idea that you have is authentic, uh, and it fits within your DNA as a brand, that platform will be robust enough to launch multiple programs from, from, from that. And so um, some brands call them passion points. Others look at it through the core values lens. For me, uh, music has always been you know, connected with W. It's always been a part of, of what we've done. It's also a, a, a component of travel. Every you know, trip has a soundtrack. And so creating really strong platform for music allows us to do dynamic storytelling and with a protagonist, the music being something that's highly emotive. We all have this emotional connection. So it's setting yourself up for success uh, and not trying to stretch too far out from your uh, what, what comes naturally and where you have um, built credibility and authenticity that makes that easy. Uh, but it, it makes it a lot easier to tell stories when they come from a, a place of truth. And so we try to start with that premise. And it's funny. Um, so a friend of mine sent me the article about uh, LV launching a pop-up. It's the green pop-up down in Soho. LV meaning Louis Vuitton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's for our non-fancy listeners. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I wasn't sure if you meant Louis Vuitton or not. So No, no. I think it's good to ask that question because yes. we forget that not everybody understands. Well, it's a testament to what they've been able to do with their brand, right? right? I mean, now at a point where you, you know, it's LV and the assumption is that you, you, you know, know that. you know, um, prior to other things that they had done to enter the pop culture world. I don't know that you could have ever 
just referred to Louis Vuitton as LV. And right. so it's a testament to them moving with the times from a, uh, a, a heritage French luxury brand into the mainstay of our conversation. Right. And she asked me what my thoughts were because she almost felt it might have been a little bit pretentious. And I said, actually, no, I think that it's fantastic that they're embracing art and culture. Um, so they made uh, the merchandise, the art. So by making it a green background, it became like a green screen, right? Like there wasn't anything else that was going to pop. It was the sneakers that were popping on the wall. It was, it, that really resonated. And it kind of reminded me of our past experience where um, you created a collaboration with an artist and you made these limited edition sneakers which, by the way, still I dying still, for I a still, pair. I still owe you a pair. <laughs> I, That's why I went, you're really here. No, I went sneakers. all the way to Barcelona. I had Dali on my mind when I requested these sneakers. And uh, the team uh, on property at W Barcelona, amazing. I love that. And I they, have stayed there as well. They ran these sneakers up to my room. And, but they, they were in this large rectangular box and I set the box next to my bag. And then in my hurry the next morning, oh, I left no. the hotel no. and left the box on the side of the bag. So I, I still owe so you- So someone uh, in Barcelona is walking around yes. with some sweet shoes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I love that you did that, right? So like they were a limited edition item. They weren't for sale. They were meant for like special guests and special uh, people that you were hosting. What, what made you do, decide to do that? What was the motivating factor behind it? I mean, in that case, the there was an op fashion has always been a, a core component of of W's. Not only its support of uh, CFDA uh, and its incubator program in the early days to hosting pop ups to having retail spaces. And uh, by the w way, really quickly, the store. so I'm friends with the head of partnerships for the CFDA. So for anybody that doesn't know, that's the Council for Fashion Designers. Yeah, uh, amazing organization. Yeah, and. Uh, uh, we worked with them for a number of years. Um, but in every different city, you have to bring fashion to life in its own way. And again, the, to this theme of authenticity, you know, how do you support local designers and tell a travel story uh, with content that's compelling and uh, a call to action at the end that, that people can relate to, you know? And there's something about the sneaker beyond what the sneaker culture has become that is very tangible. You can hold it, you can feel it, you can go places with it. And so working um, with designers where there's some output at the end is always very gratifying as, as a marketer because you feel that it's not about impressions or likes. Uh, there's something, that, there's a craft that's come from that thing. And if you can support uh, local artists, local designers, and tell a travel story at the same time, then you know, you've checked a lot of boxes. For us, the opportunity to work in any area of design beyond even fashion and take something from the material or fabric and then put it on our walls or incorporate it in a utilitarian way is another way that we hope that when you stay at a W, for instance, you can experience design outside of, of the home that you live in. And the idea is for it to not be something that you would potentially even want to bring home. It's supposed to be completely aspirational, this idea of fantasy. Whenever you travel, you should want to live, yes, have creature comforts, you know, of wh where you expect to have at home. I like that, but creature also, comforts. But yeah, but kind of take <laughs> yeah. it to, to a level of fantasy. You should, to some extent, um, 
you know, covet something and love it, uh, but not necessarily want that sofa in in your home. Right. Because um, you're in this very unique ecosystem when you travel. Is there like, so like, for the Barcelona W, I, I stayed there with an ex-girlfriend a couple of years ago and we had an amazing experience there. I kind of remember, I feel like the design and everything, it was obviously very Spanish and Barcelona. Like, is that obviously that's very intentional with all your properties in each city or country they might be in? Like so you're think, trying to absorb like local artists to design. Yeah, I, think, I think it's important to always have a sense of place. You shouldn't, you know, you joke about me traveling um, quite a bit, but there are, there are times where you wake up and when your eyes first open, you don't know where you are, right? <laughs> you're yeah, like, crazy especially concept. if you're coming off like, you know, right. a flight to Asia or the Middle East, you're just, where am I again? And you should have a sense of place. You shouldn't, you know, wake up in this vanilla. And uh, I think that the idea around having a very progressive approach to design allows you to somewhat alienate some group because you're not always going to please everybody, but it allows you to push boundaries again with your storytelling. And if the sense of place comes through because the people that you work with or you collaborate with have something to say, regardless of whether you like it or not, you're being challenged in some regard. And I think that that's when travel really comes to life is when it travel when it challenges you in some regard. You know, it's funny. I actually, um, I had a wedding a couple of weeks ago that I went to. And when we checked in at the hotel, it just felt very transactional. And I have to say my experiences with the W, it's, it's the opposite. I almost just feel like I'm being treated as a guest. And I think that goes as a testament to the sneakers where they're, everything isn't meant to be for sale. It's almost meant to be a surprise and delight element. And I think you do a lot of those uh, or explore a majority of those surprises and delight elements over the course of somebody's stay, right? Yeah, I think, um, you know, the surprise and delight uh, component is becoming far more expected as people are categorized into various tiers of, of membership and loyalty and whatnot. But when you can truly surprise and delight based off the way you um, are anticipatory in some way, or a level of pre-thought that goes into making someone's experience special beyond giving them something transactional, uh, that's when it comes to life. And we're, we're lucky because we've got a role called the W Insider. And the W Insider's sole purpose is to, aside from being you know, very connected to everything that's happening in that city and be a facilitator and provide, you know, insider access, you know, beyond, beyond kind of the, the, the traditional concierge role. It's really to explore opportunities to surprise and delight, to wow, uh, and to introduce guests to things that are probably a little unexpected. So we've been doing a lot within the hospitality industry. We just did a, a live podcast um, with In Good Company, and we kind of spoke about like what hospitality really means. What do you? What does that mean to you? How do you internalize hospitality? So you know, hospitality. Um, it, it, when you look at the roots of hospitality, and you look at kind of the role of the innkeeper, and you're going back. Well, over 5,000 years, the role of the innkeeper was really to sit at the crossroads of any small town and provide recommendations. And then they had other responsibilities. Obviously, you could get a, a warm meal, a place to sleep. But that person, prior to information being transmitted in the, you know, the digital superhighway, 
was transmitted through the innkeeper. So if there was a latest fashion and people were passing through town from another place, the innkeeper saw it. If you arrived in a town and you needed to get your horse reshoed, the innkeeper could recommend a blacksmith. And so the innkeeper has always been the one to facilitate gathering of people, conversation, the exchange of ideas and culture. And that's to me, one of the first places of, of hospitality. When people started living in uh, townhomes, because if you were very wealthy, you never, you didn't live in a city. You came in the city to conduct business, but you lived on acreage. You had large land and you, you, your, your economy was built off how much land you had and agriculture and farming and livestock and, and natural resources. But you'd come into the city and you'd have a small townhome that you'd maybe go into for the holidays for shopping and, and getting more supplies. Well, it became customary, especially in Europe, to host people in your town home and show off the latest music or the latest fashions and whatnot. And that hosting, ut, which is a French word, is what actually led to the word hotel. So for me, the idea of hosting goes beyond making people feel comfortable, but I nearly feel a sense of responsibility to introduce them to something new and different at the same time. I think that's probably the best gift you can give someone. I that's, love that, that was amazing. so much. <laughs> that was awesome. I wish we could like capture that and just frame it. Yeah, you make a t-shirt of that. <laughs> um, because I agree, right? Like I love to host. I, I host plenty of barbecues. I, I just like seeing people and connecting with them and hearing about things that they're doing. Um, and, and you've actually been to one of the dinners that I've hosted. Uh, so so I think that we forget the importance and the value of bringing other elements to the table as opposed to, well, we have a bed here for you and maybe we can provide you with a mini uh, fridge and <laughs> some coffee in the morning. <laughs> or, or, or a free breakfast. I mean, we've, we've become far more, you know, you talked about the experiential, um, uh, you know, when we were chatting before we started the show. And I think one of the things that's really interesting is that as we become more and more attracted, you know, nearly addicted to experiences, the expectations continue to rise. Right. And that's what happened to hotel brands. You know, they were all the same um, prior to that. Brands did not exist until very recently. It wasn't until actually the highways were created and it limited the amount of time that people could get off the exit ramp and brands started to evolve and because people had to make split second decisions. Right. And each one of those brands came with some type of a promise. And originally the promise was as basic as air conditioning. Yeah. Or, right. or cable. Or cable. <laughs> cable was a huge one. Yeah, I've never seen that. Right? I mean, if you're on a road trip in the 50s or the 60s, uh, and you saw the signs, it was cable, you know, yeah. or, or air conditioning air or conditioning. pool. A pool yeah. is yeah. huge. Wow, yeah. Right? Well, those are all commodities, right? And so when you commoditize your offerings, the, 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 those that offer experience are going to enter the market and shake things up. And that, that was the first disruption. And are there any experiences that you've been working on either within New York or outside of New York that are, that are driving some of that traffic? So from, from a real estate perspective, uh, we made a significant commitment uh, a few years ago to reclaim underutilized space and create uh, small recording studios that we called Sound Suites. 
So we have one in Hollywood, we have one in Seattle, Bali, Barcelona, and the program's continuing to grow. And it's a space that our guests can use to either record their next hit. And we've had a lot of really big name artists use our studios. Us next, right? Uh, yes. <laughs> or record a podcast, which happens a lot in, in our LA studio. Or if you're touring, it's just a quiet space to be able to improvise. And we've worked with um, artists like St. Vincent or artists even on our own record label, uh, W so Records. W has their own label? We do, wow. we do. Um, it's called W Records. And um, uh, we've got four artists who've recorded on the label uh, this year and we'll continue to. It seems like I mean, you mentioned music a couple of different times. Music seems to be like the common thread. I mean, I've been to several really cool DJ shows, even the lobby when you walk in, there's always a, cool yeah. vibe. a cooler vibe with yeah. music associated with it. I, it's funny because people often will mention, hey, the live show, or they'll mention the DJ. And within the spectrum of music and the spectrum of experiences, we don't give enough credit to the times that music is playing, but we don't know that it is. Yeah, it's there. And it's like, have you ever watched an incredible movie and the soundtrack for that movie was not just the, the Jaws track or the Star Wars track. It was this thing that sat in the background and enhanced the film in so many ways, but you never really took note of it. That to me is when music is in fact it, nearly its most powerful. And so on one hand, yes, we organize these global festivals. We, we do a festival called Wake Up Call. It's a multi-day festival. Uh, it's the only luxury, it was the first luxury um, music festival to happen on the premises of, of a hotel. And we've taken it all over the world with really big acts and uh, had millions and millions of live stream views and thousands of attendees. And that gets the headlines. But when you're you know, sitting in a public space in your hotel, having this contemplative moment and the music is just right, or you're at the pool and yeah, you're sipping I've, I've, on that cocktail the, and, the, the and the music is just right. Yep. You don't make headlines with that, right? But that is... But it affects sentiment. That's so the I magic. agree with you. That's yeah. the magic. But right, when yeah. I walk into a store and there isn't music feeling uh, playing, I actually, I don't know, I get a little uncomfortable. <laughs> I'm not in the mood to shop anymore and then I leave. So like, I think it affects our behavior. When there's music playing, you feel the energy and it motivates you to order more drinks or it motivates you to stay a little bit longer. It's right? that connection between the authenticity of the stories that you're telling and the guest experience. And there can't be a disconnect between those two things. Uh, you know, elevator music gets a bad rap because <laughs> in the ba back in the day, it used to be this weird thing. But getting that elevator music just you right. You guys got is... good elevator music. <laughs> I'll, I'll stay in the elevator all day. But I think, I think you just said it the right way, getting the elevator music just right. So it's putting a lot of thought into the sound that comes out and the sound that you're looking for. And, and how, how do you even decide what that sound should be? I think it's understanding that the, the purpose of travel uh, varies and that along that journey, there will, there will be eb ebbs and flows. And so the time that you spend in your room alone or with someone else deserves its own soundtrack just as much as the time that you spend in the spa or, you know, at the bar. And so, you know, understanding that there can't be a cookie cutter solution or something that's going to work at every hotel and every space. And I think one of the big shifts that we made uh, some years back was in really allowing the local to become global um, from a sound perspective. Um, there's no way that a global brand like W could 
uh, be prescriptive or dictate uh, a sound from a central place. And we've got music curators at all of our hotels and we've got regional music directors and they help facilitate not only an opportunity for us to introduce guests to what's new and next, but also make sure that we are speaking to the sensitivities of the space that we're in uh, and also highlighting local talent, which is one of the things that I get most excited about, yeah, whether it's that. in the Middle East or it's in Asia or in Europe, you know, I get tuned on to like new artists all the time, thanks to, you know, Shazam. <laughs> I, I love Shazam. And it's funny because I think that like you have so much exposure to all of these amazing things that it motivates you to find, to go a little bit deeper and to find some of these hidden gems, right? I would assume that you work much harder so that people similar to you that have, that are very global and have this high exposure will also appreciate those little gems. Yeah. I, I, in fact, what, what I've, I find interesting is that somehow I open myself up to a layer of vulnerability when I travel, regardless of whether it's for business or, or personal travel. And I tend to have this openness that I don't have in my day to day. And as soon as that openness happens, and I don't know why travel has that effect on me, but I, I start becoming sponge-like in my desire to consume colors and textures and sounds. And, you know, I travel into, to, you know, Manhattan on a regular basis and not have that same openness unless I've just come back from a trip and then I see Manhattan through completely new eyes in a new way. And, I, and then eventually that openness closes and I'm back to my old self and taking it as part of the routine. And I think travel does a really good job of, of it does it for me. I can't speak for anyone else, I, I, but I, I don't me. know if you guys relate. No, more willing but, to try new things. Yeah. Check out a new place. Yeah. 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 And go, I, go down I, a different drive, you know, go down a, a different path. Yes, exactly. And check exactly. out stuff. Yes. I'm kind of curious too. I don't know if you can kind of speak to it just as far as, I mean, other, I've, like I said, I'm a huge W hotel fan. Um, I mean, many, many years. I mean, how are, like for example, that J and G Steakhouse. Like, do you have? Are you cycling through a lot of different bars and restaurants within these properties to kind of stay relevant with different diets or different chefs? Like, how does that kind of play into being like really relevant and always being kind of ahead of the curve? Yeah, I mean, I think it's important to be legit in what you're doing. You know, and not jump on the trend bandwagon, sure. uh, which is very easy to do in this day and age. I mean, if you just open up your Instagram uh, feed, you know, there's a new thing happening. I think it's celery this week, right? Um, celery juice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Sick so, of it already. Yeah, okay. It's been so, going on for a couple of weeks. I've been I, meaning to try I, it. The girls so. I follow are all over it again. I'm like, oh, my skin's beautiful. Yeah, like, <laughs> um, you know, and you travel the world and then suddenly you start seeing that regardless of where you go, regardless of where you stay, avocado toast is on the menu everywhere. That's, that's not right. <laughs> That's just I, not right. I, I'm not a big avocado yeah. toast guy. I, love, I used to be. I, I'm not anymore. I love avocado toast, but it doesn't need to be on every single menu everywhere. Right. And and so there's a risk of falling into that trap. Uh, of course, you have to stay relevant. Of course, you have to make sure that what you're doing has a certain level of quality. I think that one of the things that um, I've really been happy with is us providing a level of choice and options. And... In a world where people are becoming increasingly health conscious, but deserve to be 
increasingly decadent. You know, being able to order, you know, anything from your room. And, and one of the things that we kind of pride ourselves on at, at W specifically is whatever, whenever, right? So, you know, <laughs> if I want to eat, you know, a tub of ice cream in bed watching, you know, binge watching something, you know, I should be able to. But if I also want to open up the menu and see something really healthy and not feel like I have to order, you know, chicken nuggets or, you know, mac and cheese or pizza, you know, then I want those options too. And so it's really just about staying relevant, giving people options, and also having a level of originality in maybe reinterpreting the things that have become customary. And how do you think that people either discover the W or they think of the W the, the next time they're planning a vacation or a trip? So there's this guy and he's super smart and he leads marketing. And, <laughs> <no>. <laughs> he's sitting right in yeah. front of us. <laughs> uh, I think that, you know, we are no longer this um, best kept secret kind of thing. You know, like there's one or two of them around the world and you, if you're in this place, you have to go check it out. I think that... What we have grown into has evolved over a 21-year period. Right. right. It's 21 years since we kind of changed the game. I mean, but in the scope of it, if you think about it, 21 years really isn't that long. In the, in the big picture of heritage brands, of uh, all the places in the world where you can fly the W flag, I think that there's still a, a world of opportunity and so many new exciting locations to come um, online uh, in the next few years. I think that it's as travelers become far more accessible, it's a far more competitive landscape. And there are lots of other players, you know, and the world of travel has changed um, from the space that we're in right now and having a, a WeWork to an Airbnb to, you know, all of the different options that you have. And I think that that's really great because it promotes more travel, more access, more connectivity. For us, it's about your reputation and, you know, reputation management is, is key. Uh, we, we play in the content space quite heavily. So most of our awareness is around content. And we were f first movers in that space as far as our industry goes. And um, we have a content hub called The Angle and we drive most of our media to that. And we hope that by staying top of mind because you just heard a podcast about the sound suites or you heard a collaboration we did with an artist called Amber Mark, you know, or on W Records, or you read a blog post about, you know, how to hack the hotel buffet, uh, which you can find on say, you, how, you, how can you can find to, that you can find I'm that eater, I'm an eater so yeah, I'm you can find that article on uh, on the angle um, hopefully the next time that you decide to travel you think of W the reality though is that most people don't need our services on a daily basis you know you look at your phone every few minutes uh, so Apple or Samsung are ingrained in your brain you might need a, a, a special trip once or twice a year, if that. And then if you're traveling for business, there are so many other, you know, variables, proximity, convenience, you know, rates, et cetera. Um, so it's, it's challenging to, to be, to dominate the awareness space. You just have to make sure that you're doing things that resonate to your audience and that you know who that audience is. Now, I, I'm kind of curious, I mean, is there... Obviously, you're a hotel aficionado of sorts. Is there another hotel brand or 
kind of that you're keeping close eye on just maybe because they're doing things just as differently as you or maybe things that you can maybe pick and choose to and, incorporate. In and I want to throw in other verticals into it because I love that question. So maybe it's not just a hotel brand. Maybe it's something in fashion, in uh, food, beverage, uh, or beverage and food. <laughs> yeah, so I look at- Beverage first. So, beverage so, first. so on the hotel front, um, I look at all hotels uh, all the time because- Everybody is doing something. Everyone is doing something in some regard to change the game, to, to make it better, to, to, to give me something to think about. Regardless of the space that they're in, the rate that they're charging, the location that they're in, uh, I start seeing people popping up tents in the desert and I'm looking at that, you know, <laughs> because they somehow are providing an experience that I need to be aware of. There is something right. in Joshua right. Tree I've seen in the tent. <laughs> yeah. so I'm um, like, what is that? Right? People start, you know, um, you know, booking caravans to, you know, right. uh, I'm looking at that, you know. So so, so glamping is definitely so, on your radar. So as an example, maybe it's because I've just come from, uh, from um, the Pacific Northwest. Uh, so the last thing that I've seen usually influences where I'm, what I'm thinking about. But it, it goes you know, into youth hostels as, a, as an urban example, sure. right? I'm looking at youth hostels and saying, wow, these things are really changing to what I, I thought they were and I need to have an eye on that. From um, brands that I am seeing evolve that I can kind of relate to and I admire, Burberry is one that I have my eye on. Trenchco, luxury, you thought you had them pigeonholed, they bring in... Uh, a new creative director, they they learn from LV and they learn from Gucci and they're right in there and their sales are through the roof. And Burberry's having a massive renaissance right now in a, in a time when you would have thought maybe there, you know, there isn't space for a Burberry. And uh, I, 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 lived, I live my, near the storm, so I'm going to have to I, go back. I there. would keep my eye on Burberry. The numbers don't lie. Okay. That's Any other awesome. brands that are on your radar? Uh, you know, all the obvious um, disruptive brands like Tesla, SpaceX. Uh, I'm a huge uh, Richard, so Richard Branson fan. So anything Virgin. Uh, Virgin kind of has a W feel. I've always said Virgin's like the W plane, W of planes. Yeah. Like whenever, I mean, when they were, I think they got bought by. Uh, yeah, they have a great, a great experience. They were early in, in trying to add their own tone of voice and their own vibe. Uh, the leadership, uh, the company, you know, was always something that I admired. Um, whether it was at a personal level with, you know, balloons and trying to sail around the world or put people in space. Uh, a brand that I don't consume their products, but I admire tremendously is Red Bull. Um, so I'm, I'm not a big Red Bull fan of the product, but as a publisher, as a content creator, as a media mogul, um, eh, I look at what they do often because they are often on the next frontier. Yeah, no, I agree. It's funny. I think about Red Bull a lot and how they've done a great job with mass marketing, right? So they know how to reach a lot of people in a short period of time. What really stood out to me was the fact that you said that you're a big Richard Branson fan, therefore you like Virgin, right? And I think that that is something that we need to internalize, that that it's when you develop an emotional connection to not only the brand, but also, but more importantly, the founder, 
that creates a, a more emotional connection to the brand. And that's super strong too. I think it's not just about the individual. Um, it's about the the ethos and the and the values of the company. And that we're seeing is increasingly becoming more and more important. And that's something I'm very proud of working for Marriott International and working for W specifically is, you know, we really... Um, we talk the talk, but we really walk it too. And and at the end of the day, it's it, it's important to stand for something. Uh, whether it was fighting for marriage equality in, in the early days, to you know, um, our speaker panels for women's empowerment, um, uh, moves that we, that we, that we, you know you can make in any sphere that is important to your brand, uh, I think is something that's admirable. Um, and leadership, I think, is becoming this this intangible that can't be, can't be measured right they're, they're not doing surveys about how important the leadership is of a uh, of a company um because it's so hard to see how it impacts buying right but i think more work needs to be done in that space because increasingly that is becoming more important to people they want to know not only what that company stands for based off what it says it stands for, but what are you actually doing and what are you actually saying when you're putting your stock price on the line by making a statement? Um, I'm very, very proud, as I said, of, of Marriott International and the, 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 the company being outspoken when it needs to be. Um, I'm very proud about what W's done, but I look at others to set the bar too. And so um, not just Sir Richard Branson, but um, many other um corporate leaders who have not been, you know, um, brought into their positions through some governmental or electoral position and now given this role. And it's kind of uh, interesting to see that we are looking at corporations as mini governments now and their populations are becoming so big yep. that you can't, you can't negate it. Right. right. Um, and I don't know whether that's People are going to get fatigue of that, you know, like kind of people don't want to hear from athletes or movie stars about their political views or their social values. I think everybody's curious, right? I think there's a curiosity that lives inside of us because it makes us feel like we know them a little bit better. So I'm one of your bigger fans, um, and I think you've done some amazing things throughout the course of the years. What's one of your favorite marketing initiatives? Ooh, um, I think our, our... Endeavor into the music festival space was one of the most ambitious things that we've done uh, in that, you know, music festivals are complicated and you all saw Firefest, you know. <laughs> we, I was just saying, Firefest, yeah, Fire Fraud. We, we came right off the heels of Firefest yeah. and um, had we not gotten it right, it would have been detrimental. And so... Um, to Thank have, goodness you did. Yeah, yeah to, to <laughs> delivered something that that lived up to the hype right. um, meant a lot to me, but there was a lot riding on it. The launch of our, our record label is probably the thing that I'm the proudest. Um, and although it's involved a lot of hard work, uh, it comes down to ultimately curation. And I think that uh, brands, kind of like the same idea of the leadership thing I was talking about, it, we're looking at people to curate, whether it's playlists or collections or bringing things together, curation is a new economy of its of its own kind. And 
we've been able to curate a number of artists that we wanted to work with across a number of different musical genres and we thought they were cool. And so we're saying, we think this is cool. We think this is good. So we hope that you do too. And you may not necessarily love every track. You may not love every artist, but the curation of all those things together through one lens and that lens being a level of quality, um, I think is increasingly harder and harder to do because, you know, being in the business world, you're under a lot of pressure to deliver on results in a lot of different ways. And so I'm very proud of the the fact that we've been able to maintain a level of in integrity in our curation um, despite, you know, um, easier roads that we could have taken to go with a little bit more of a popular sound or um, try to artificially inflate our results by right. going with the the easier way and not getting distracted by the shiny things yes right? yeah i think that's a big the I shiny mean, new toys the, i'm curious i mean you kind of mentioned curation i think you guys do a fabulous job of that and you there's a lot of, i discover a lot of things when i'm typically at your properties whether it's new food new drink new music as far as like because i i mean I, i've been getting paid as doing influencer stuff where does what is your thoughts on that as far as influencers with w celebrities that attend your spots? Like, how do you kind of view that from the marketing lens? So uh, I think that could be a whole other um, <laughs> piece too, but we are very, very fortunate in that early on, we started building a community and we built a community of, for the lack of a better word, influencers, but it depends on how you define the term influencer. But we decided that there were a combination of influencers and content creators that we wanted to work with and we've invested in that community and so we have created a bit of a safety net against the pitfalls of working with you know different people who don't understand your tone of voice or your core values and we've been able to rely on the professionalism and the consistency of working with that community and the, and speaking to their audience and so I think it's a best practice. I think that uh, I see people kind of throwing things against the wall and seeing what sticks in too many cases. And for us, knowing that we have this community of people that we believe in, that are kind of part of the family and that we trust, it no longer becomes transactional. They're part of the team. Right. And I think that's a key component of working with influencers it can very easily become something that's transactional. And I think that people see through that. Totally. I think the bigger challenge for the future is that much of the content that we receive or, or the posts that are done on our behalf end up by, by default of the technology being very polished. And I think that the, the next trend is in the raw and unfiltered. And I think that people are going to increasingly want to see the world without filters. And that will be a challenge because uh, how do you stay true to your brand? How do you maintain an aesthetic cohesiveness around what you put out um, uh, across channels? And then how do you make sure that uh, there's an authenticity there? Um, without it becoming uh, no longer pleasurable to consume the content because it's just, you know, too much. Too, too raw, too, too raw. harsh. Yeah, 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 to some extent. Uh, ultimately, we are about uh, inspiring 
travel and creating aspirational experiences. And so there needs to be some layer of fantasy, some layer of, of dreaminess to it all. But I see the trend towards completely unfiltered right now. And, and I, I think I'm we seeing need a platform shift. Beyond, yeah, yeah. I, I, I see it coming and, and it's not going to be with the millennials. Um, it's going to be a Gen Z thing. And this Gen, this Gen Z uh, movement that's coming that wants this platform, that's asking for this platform shift is coming from a place of um, being tired of not feeling good about seeing things, right? right? It's not making people feel better. It's a very momentary... Oh yeah, visual eye candy as you thumb through, but it's having a long-term effect on, right. on generations. And I think that Gen Z is going to dictate um, what that's going to be, and it's going to be a shake-up, big right. shake-up. And I also think that it's about owning that everything isn't perfect all the time, right? So like, if you can embrace, embrace the non-perfection, then people appreciate it a little bit more, right? I mean, it's... Uh, uh, wisdom that has been around for thousands of years, you know, it's it's that crack in the in the teacup, you know, right. that is in fact perfect. Uh, but we're not showing a lot of cracks these days, um, either in our faces or you know, um, the whole like, <laughs> our, our actual cracks. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, um, or or in the in the imperfection of day to day life. And we're we're by default always editing and curating our best moments and. This idea of sharing difficult times through, you know, the, the copy that you add to a photograph um, was a, an attempt at bringing some real, but I, I, I think people want more. Yeah. yeah. And they want something more consistent. I, I actually really like Insta Story because of that, because I feel like when you upload something onto Insta Story, it gives you the behind the scenes. It well, gives you the rawness. The whole reason that we're in this situation is because of Insta Stories. As people had to create more content and they were given that platform to create it, it was impossible to filter it all right. and to curate what was happening behind the scenes in every single shot. And so it created a, a rawness. Uh, so the, Instagram, to some extent, is a victim of its own um, technology uh, and they've created... Uh, an appetite for people to see more behind the scenes through Insta Stories. Had they not launched Insta Stories at any point, I think Snapchat was, was still owning that space. So I think that they had to. I think that yeah. I think that there's still a desire to see what's happening. The problem is the feed. That's where people feel the need to aspire for perfection. Because when you look at somebody's feed, or when you look at your own feed, rather, you're a little bit more critical, and you you want things to look very visually aligned, and and uh, you want to be able to connect with those visuals. So the same thing for YouTube, right? You look at the feed, and you want to make sure that from a visual perspective that you can connect with those visuals. Um, so some, sometimes the realness isn't always uh, beautiful and amazing to look at, but it's truth. So it's figuring out that balance and how do we get I, rid of the feed? I hadn't thought maybe? about it like that. So yeah. So maybe the feed and maybe that's what we're seeing. Are we seeing the erosion of the feed? 
Maybe. At this, at this stage. I think we need to. I mean, if, if Instagram is going to start withholding likes, right, because it's affecting mental, mental health. And I actually, I'm seeing it happen, right? So like I see people falling into a depression if they're not getting an, a certain amount of likes. They just, they, they take it personally. They feel like it's a knock against them. But really it's the algorithm because if they're not populating high enough or if they're not populating at all, people don't see, see your content. So that's how it negatively impacts. But I think that feed is going to, it's going to have to shift. There's no way we can continue on this uh, beautification um, strategy when we're looking for realness. Yeah. No, I, and I agree too. I mean, I think, I mean, I, I'm doing, I'm trying to post worse pictures. Like, <laughs> I don't and not know about any, worse, but they're real. They're yeah, real I'm trying photos. to post more like legitimate, like this is actually what the picture looks like. Yeah. yeah but I know I, I have friends of girlfriends that, you know, facetune and edit. I mean, like insane. It's like, it's not even you. So it's... I'm fortunate in that um, we're working in a space that is just generally positive and and generally inspiring. You yeah. know, it's hard to be in Koh Samui or Bali or, you know, in a travel experience at any, you know, really nice hotel and, and not just feel an immense sense of gratitude, but also see that, you know, that your, your aesthetic is nearly perfect in the right. environment that you're in. And that's not just for W, it's the travel space in general. Yeah, just the nature you know, of the yeah. beautiful property. I mean, yeah. You take a picture at the Bali Hotel. Yeah, like, it's, like, <laughs> it's already amazing. Yeah, I'm not really needing <laughs> yeah, to... Yeah, you can't do anything yeah. to it. I love that. I What really resonated with me is the gratitude element. I was watching Jay Shetty yesterday and he said the same thing. So he was talking about gratitude and I think we forget that. I think that we forget about just being appreciative of uh, having these great conversations or being able to go on a luxury vacation and the gratitude that we feel. And that that should be conveyed through these images or through the video and what we're storytelling. It's the gratitude. It's that emotion. Beyond hashtag blessed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hashtag blessed. So- Obviously, things have been going really well, and I'm sure you've had some some things that have maybe not gone as well. So I always ask our guest if you can maybe give an example of something maybe over the last you know 12 to 24 months, a decision you made or a strategy in place or something you did that maybe didn't go so well, and maybe kind of highlight what that was and how it all played out. I make a lot of mistakes. <laughs> that's that, that's I, what like, we want to hear. We want like to hear. Maybe. I make a lot of mistakes. Um, I don't make a lot of detrimental mistakes, but I make a lot of mistakes nearly on a daily basis. And I make them with my team. I make them from a leadership perspective. I make them because I'm going into uncharted territories. But I try to make sure that the mistakes that I make are not career ending, you know, uh, or or bank breaking um, mistakes. I think that one of the, the things that I have done a poor job of in the past is inoculating myself from from risk and kind of being willing to go full steam ahead and then not thinking enough about the what ifs. And I think that's the challenge of being a creative and a visionary is that you sometimes diminish that voice in your head that's saying, what if, well, what if there's a, a storm that night or what? If, and so I've had a couple life cycle events that have happened to me. The economic crash in 2008, 2009 was a real wake up call to me. When Marriott acquired Starwood, um, you know, I was completely blindsided by that. 
but you don't ever think about like, what if I'm in a car crash tomorrow? Or mm. what if my company gets acquired tomorrow? Or what if the economy tanks? We're not trained to think in, in those ways, but it's, it's a little bit radical. And uh, along the way, I've started to incorporate that type of thinking, not in a negative way, but in a way to find a positive solution. So I have a number of, of situations where I've thought about, hmm, this could go really, really badly. And I've started to think about what, the, what, what I could do to, to safeguard against that and whether that was a necessary investment. Um, That's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like, like the idea of uh, planning ahead. <laughs> it's, it goes beyond, it's like extreme planning yeah. ahead in some way. It's like an, ex, it's an extreme what if. Yeah. And uh, I but, think. Yeah. And finding out that what if, it gives you another like layer of like really honing in on what that idea can exactly, be. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Like it's, it, it's, it's not for the reason that you think it yeah. is that you're asking the what if. It's really about actually being more true to, to the thing that you're trying to pursue. I love right. that. I love that. That's I really think that's good. fantastic. Uh, what's the best way for people to reach you? LinkedIn is, is always good. I'm usually wide open on LinkedIn. I'm a really open networker on, on, on LinkedIn. Um, uh, so yeah, find okay. me there. I'm usually uh, posting a, an article or two on things that I find interesting in the, in the business space, in the marketing and branding space. Especially most recently, mm. I've seen some of the posts that you've been yeah. posting. They're interesting. Yeah, I think maybe <laughs> I've been a little more inspired uh, recently um, by some of the things that I'm seeing. Yeah, this was fantastic. This Thank you so much for being here that with us. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank, Thank you. you. All right. We'll be seeing you at the W Hotel soon. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Hope you enjoyed this episode. Make sure to subscribe to our podcast and follow us on LinkedIn and Instagram for updates and some behind the scenes content.